We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about all that's available to us in Christ. And we discovered that there's a ton available in Christ. But if we don't know what we have, we don't tend to benefit from it. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about the gifts of the Spirit. Because I like gifts. Anyone like gifts? Yeah, a couple people are like, yes, give me one. That'd be great. Uh, so I got this as a gift. Um, I was visiting my father-in-law. And he used to own a construction company. He's like, I got loads of extra tools. Um, I've got doubles of things. I got a bunch of tools I just don't use anymore. He's like, do you want tools? I'm like, I love tools. I love trying to fix things. Not like I'm the best at it, but I sure have a go at fixing things. And so he's like, oh, you need this. I go, I need this. Thanks. I bet it does something. Uh, like I, I, this is a tool, and apparently I need it, and it'll fit in my suitcase. A lot of the tools won't fit in a suitcase and carry on a plane. So he gave me a few different things. I'm like, score, sweet. I got a wrench, and I got a few different random things, and I'm like, and I got a triangle. <laughs> cool. So I, I went home, and I decorated like my garage with it. I found a little hook and hung it there. A lot of my tools are organized. We won't talk about the other tools, but a lot of them are organized. This was an organized tool that had no idea what its purpose was. And a while later, um, probably about a year later, my, maybe two, we were going to retile my kitchen. And I had a friend come over, and I'm like, I kind of know what I'm doing with tile, but I have some friends who legitly know what they're doing with tile. And so he comes over to help me, and, and he's working with me. He's like, hey, do you have a speed square? Speed what? Speed square. <laughs> no, that's not it. So... I'm like, well, no, no. So he's like, well, you need this, need this, this, and this. So let's go to, the, let's go to uh, the hardware store. So I think that day we went to Gemmins. And he's like, he gets over there, and he walks through this aisle, and he points to something like this. And he's like, hey, that's a speed square. And I looked at it, and I was like, oh, I've got one of those. I just didn't know what it was. Didn't know how to use it. Never used it. It was a gift. Didn't know what to do with it. And sadly, a lot of times our spiritual gifts are a lot like this speed square. We get it and we're like, sweet, I got a gift. What is it? I don't know. What does it do? I'm not sure. How do you use it? I don't know. But I got a gift. It's cool. It's like a triangle with a wedge on it. Like, and when he was tiling, he's like, you know, it, it was so helpful. In fact, during the tile project, there was two different guys that helped me out. One of them accidentally took my speed square. As he was packing up stuff, he had a gray one as well, so he just grabbed it, threw it, and hit one of the tubs of his stuff, took off, and I went to do more projects. And I'm like, where's my speed square? I love my speed square. Once I learned how to use it, I'm like, this thing is awesome. You know, when you're cutting, when you have several hundred cuts to make on tile, and you're like, oh, I need it to be at a perfect 45-degree angle, and I can throw this on there and get a straight look. Like, this is awesome. And it became very helpful. In fact, I went and bought another one, and then like a month later, he's like, hey, I was going through my stuff, and I found two of these. Is one of them yours? I'm like, thank you. So now I have two of them, which is great. Um, if you're looking at it going, it's just a triangle, that's okay. It has a purpose. And when you understand the gift's purpose, it then has value. A lot of times, we don't value the gifts of the Holy Spirit because we don't understand them and don't know what they're for. It's just a gift. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, 
Uh, verse 31 is where we're going to start. But if you've got your Bible with you, you're going to just open it to 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to share a lot of verses. Almost all of them will be from 1 Corinthians 12, a couple from chapter 14. It says, earnestly desire um, the higher gifts. It goes through, it tells us to desire the best gifts. And I got thinking about this going, all right, so there's spiritual gifts. And it says, desire the best gifts. Which one's the best? People start debating this in like really stupid ways um, is to try to get really philosophical. But let me answer or give you a different question that will make it a little more obvious. What is the best tool? Best tool. Count of three. Yell it out. One, two, three. Duct tape. <laughs> it is debatable. You're sitting here. Is it, is it duct tape? Is it a hammer? Is it a screwdriver? Is it a screw? Because a screwdriver without a screw... I guess a screwdriver without a screw is a pry bar. But there's, there's all these different tools. You're like, a drill? Is it this? Is it that? And you go, well, it depends. If you have a nail that needs to go in, a drill isn't that great. Because if you use a drill as a hammer, you'll probably break your drill. If you have a screw and all you have is a hammer, it's very hard to use the claw on the back of the hammer to screw in your screw. If what you need is duct tape and all you have is hammer, it's just not good. When what you need is a saw and all you have is a drill, it's just not good. So the best tool depends on the job. So the best tool depends on what you need. So what gift is the best gift? The one you need. When you are sick, you don't want someone to be like, guess what? I've got the gift of speaking in tongues. You're like, good for you. I want healed. Who's got the gift of healing? And like, when you're healthy, and everyone you know is healthy, when someone's like, I got the gift of healing, you're like, well, great. But I need direction because I'm going to go to college. I want wisdom. Who's got the gift of wisdom? And so the best gift is determined by what gift you need right now. Several times, in fact, um, two times in 1 Corinthians 12, and then again in, in 1 Corinthians 14, it says to desire spiritual gifts. or to, to um, And it goes through and tells us to desire them, to seek them. It tells us that they are not just for our own consumption, but that they are for the common good. If the mailman decides that he doesn't want a box... And so he doesn't take the box he's supposed to deliver to your house. Would you get frustrated? If you order something off Amazon, you order something off eBay, you get something, you got a Christmas gift coming from grandma, whatever it may be. You know there's a box coming and they don't deliver it. And finally you meet the mailman and you're like, where, why? They're like, oh, I didn't want that box. It was at the post office and it looked heavy. So I left it. But that's my box. Yeah, but I didn't want it. So I just left it. Where's it now? I don't know. I didn't want it. You'd be like, I want to call your supervisor. You should be fired. That was supposed to be for me. And you'd be frustrated because they were supposed to bring the gift to you. And what 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse um, 7 lets us know is that the manifestations of the Spirit are for the common good. That it's meant to be used by you for the good of those around you. So if you refuse to let it be used in you, those around you are robbed of the benefit that God wants to give them. But if you don't understand it, it's easy to hang it up and leave it. 
It's easy to hang it up and hide it. It's easy to sit here and go, well, where, what am I, I going to do with this thing? I'm going to stick it in the box. Why? I don't know what to do with it. When my wife was younger, she was a believer. She made Jesus her Lord. She'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And she had a gift and wanted to return it. Anyone ever want to return a gift? You don't have to say what gift. So if it came from the person next to you, it's okay. Um, but here, she, she had a gift where she was getting words of knowledge about people. And so she would know things that she couldn't know. She would know things, um, what they were going through, what they were struggling with, what they needed help with, even though she hadn't met them. Or she'd like just meet them and like, hi. And she would know, oh, their family problem is this. This is what they're going through. They need prayer for this. They need, you know, like, that's strange. And she's like, what is this? This is weird. God, make it stop. And God had given her a gift going, all right, here's how you can stand up and here's how you can pray for people. Here's how you can know how to show God's love to these people. You can know what they're going through. And, and if it messed with her because she didn't know. She's like, well, what is this for? Why do I want a triangle? And a lot of times that's our story. So we're going to talk a little bit about the gifts. Um, in particular, we're going to talk about prophecy. Um, if you're reading in 1 Corinthians 12, you're going to find a full list of the gifts um, from verses 4 through 11. It's going to list off the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, gift of faith, working of miracles, gifts of healing, prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. But we're going to just look at prophecy this morning. In 1 Corinthians 14, it says, Pursue love, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. In verse 5, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. And at the end of the chapter, it goes over it again. And he keeps going over this thing of prophecy. But for a lot of us, we're like, well, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm supposed to dress like Elijah, wear camel's hair, eat honey, and walk around going, God said, repent and burn! God said, like, what, am I, what does it mean that I'm supposed to desire prophesy and that God wants me to give me this gift of prophecy. Um, and so wanted to look at it in the Bible, the word prophecy, the Greek word translated prophecy means to speak for another. So prophecy can mean to speak for God or to be his spokesperson. Um, in chapter 14, verse 3, the Bible gives us a description of what New Testament prophecy is supposed to look like. It says, But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. So when someone prophesies in the New Testament, it's supposed to do one of these three things. Strengthen, encourage, comfort. Um, a lot of times people will say that, or confirm. A lot of times confirming is comforting. Um, and we'll get into that in a few. Um, when I was in Bible college, we discovered something. As, as I was in some of these classes, they said, you know, this is, this is something that God wants to do. And he's like, God wants to speak. How often do you hear God giving, you know, someone give a word for somebody? And we're like, well, not very often. When was the last time God you used to give a word for somebody? You're like, not very often. When was the last time you listened? Ooh. 
When was the last time you asked if you had a word for somebody? I don't know. And I discovered that in our society, we are the busiest, loudest society. Like, it used to be when things got dark, most everything stopped because, like, you had a candle, you had a fire. If you couldn't do it by the fire, you couldn't do it. And so the work was shut down, people would hang out, people would talk, and now we have mastered being busy, and we have mastered being distracted. And when we get bored, we sit down, we turn a TV on so that there's something going on that's going to somewhat stimulate our brain, and so that there's not nothing. And if there's nothing going on, you're like, oh, this is horrible. Is there a video game around? You're like, no, there's no video games around. You're like, that's all right, I have Flappy Bird. And you're like... Get out your phone and try flapping over the, through the pipes. Or you sit here and you find so many different ways in our, in our, our world where it's, it's, it's so easy to constantly have noise, to constantly have something going, and to learn that God wants to move. And a lot of times the thing that's stopping God from moving is that nobody's listening when God's ready to speak. And so in Bible college, they're like, all right, why don't you ask him? All right. So they, they took time in class, and they were like, all right, take a minute and ask God if he has anything, a word for somebody. And we're like, we did this, and all of a sudden we're like, well, yeah, I got a word for this person. I got a word for this person. And, and it was really cool. And we begin to, to speak and saw amazing things. Um, I remember there was, there was a day in uh, chapel service. We had the worship. And I'm like, hi, God, this is awesome. I'm connecting with you. God, use me. Guys, is there anything you want to say to anybody? And there was this teeny little girl in college. Um, she was fully an adult, but she was like, yay, hi. Maybe she was taller than that, but she, I just remember her as teeny. And so I felt like God's like, all right, I, you've got, got a word for Micah. Was there, I think this was her name. It's been a little while. And so I'm like, yeah, sweet. So give a word for, to Micah. You know, and God's like, you know, I see you're like this, and she's got this heart. And I'm like, cool, cool. So... When I didn't like interrupt her during worship and pst, hey, God, this word for you. I'm like, all right, I wait, I wait. Um, so the service gets over and we're about to head out to the other classes. I strategically moved so I could catch her as she was heading out. I'm like, hey, Micah, I was, I was praying during worship and as I was praying, I just felt like God's proud of you, that you've got a heart that wants to do what's right and that you've got this. And I started going through this, that how God sees her. And while I'm speaking, she's all like, starts crying and you're like, I hope that's good. Um, I don't know what's going on inside her head, but this is what I feel like I'm supposed to say. So I say it, and she's like, thank you. And I'm like, all right, cool. And that was it. I didn't think about it for a couple months. She comes back to me as we were getting ready to graduate. She's like, hey, do you remember when you gave me that word just outside of chapel? I was like, uh, yeah, kind of. I remember giving it to you. I don't remember what the word was. I mean, it's been a while. And she's like, it was entirely not true. Thank you. <laughs> Feeling so encouraged at this moment. <laughs> so it wasn't true then. But it's all true now. She goes, God used you to set a fire inside me. When you looked at me and said, God saw me with a heart like this. Everything inside me said, I want that. When you said that this was in my life, I said, I want that. And when God used you to speak these things, it began to stir up a desire inside of me. And I began to seek God. And now all of those things are true. I'm like, 
cool. That was a lot deeper than I thought. Like, I just thought, you're like, oh, cool, I'm giving someone encouragement because this is what they need encouraged, whatever. God, you gave the words, whatever, so I'll just go and encourage them. But God was using me to speak into existence something that wasn't yet. And it, it, it was cool. But he discovered that prophecy wasn't this, like, crazy, spooky thing, but that God just wanted somebody who was willing to be used to speak for him, to speak into someone's life. And it's very important that you understand this. Prophecy is meant to be judged. It's not creepy, and it's not meant to be controlling. It's supposed to encourage, strengthen, and comfort. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone into the world. And 1 Corinthians 14, 29 says, Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. So again and again, it tells us to weigh what people say. If what they say does not line up with what God says, what they said is wrong. If someone tells you, you know, you know or someone tells your, your folks, I just believe that you're supposed to be divorced and marry so-and-so, they're wrong. Because God says that he hates divorce in his word. And prophecy from God will never contradict his word. So anytime we hear a word, we first check it with God's word. Secondly, and he goes through and he's like, and weigh what they said. Check it. Someone comes up and is like, hey, you know, God spoke to me. You're supposed to marry me. Just laugh at them and say, well, he hasn't told me yet. Because it's not meant to be someone's method of controlling you. It's not meant to be a way that they can vicariously live through you. Someone shouldn't just walk up to you and be like, you, go to China. You're supposed to be a missionary. If God didn't put it on your heart, then they're just blowing smoke. They're just wanting to live through other people's lives. If you're praying and you're like, God, I feel like I'm supposed to move to another country. I'm supposed to be a missionary. God, I just, I really feel this strong. God, lead me to what country I'm supposed to go to. And then right then someone walks up and is like, hey, I just feel like you're supposed to be a missionary in China. You're like, thank you. You just confirmed what God was speaking to me. But not as a method of controlling you, but as a method of confirming and comforting you in what God was directing you. When I was in college, um, there's was, there was one of the times we were in a class and they're like, all right, hey, we want you to give a word for somebody. We want you not just to give a verbal word. We want you to write down a word for somebody. We want you to write down a word for someone you don't know very well. And I go, oh, that's, there was it down. I know most of the people, except for one person. I kind of knew him, but he bugged me. He just was, he just had the gift of somehow getting underneath my skin. And so I decided it was best to love him from a distance. So I never got to know him very well. And so when they're like, find someone you don't know very well, I'm like, well... That leaves him. And so we, uh, we paired up, and they're like, well, we'll ask God for a word for them. And so we write down a word. I have no idea what I gave him for a word. It's been too long. But I saved the word that he gave me. Uh, in fact, I still have the handwritten note that he wrote in one of my Bibles, but I have it typed up here. It says, I just feel that what you learn here and your season here will really impact what you've been called to do back home, maybe with kids or youth, but I just feel that you will make a huge impact back home and that this may not even be the end of what God's got in store. Keep soaking in stuff while you're here because it will deeply help you in the future. Now, at first, this sounds like a very generic word. 
And he didn't know me real well. He didn't know where I was from. He didn't know where I was going and what God had already placed on my heart. God had already placed on my heart earlier in that year to go back to stretch and grow. Otherwise, I would snap because what he had for me was greater than I was at the moment. So he sits here and tells me, keep soaking stuff in because here it's going to deeply help you in the future. I'm like, well, that's already something that God told me. When I came back, you know what I did? I, got a, I started here working with fifth and sixth graders. And then I did sixth, seventh, and eighth, and now I do high school. He said, you're going to work with kids or with youth? Yep, yep. He had no idea. But what he shared with me was very encouraging and was very strengthening and confirmed what God had already been speaking to me. Sometimes we try to think of, of these words and they've got to be so complicated and they've got to be so long. A lot of people think that if you've got a word for somebody, it's going to be like, you know, maybe that word is at least as big as that word or maybe longer. You know, it's going to be this long direction. Sometimes you get a word for somebody and it's one word. And sometimes it's weird. Sometimes it makes sense. You're like, you know what? Forgiven. Okay, that, that guy I can see that it was applicable. Or, you, know, you know, God wants to heal you. Like, oh, it's three words. I can figure that one out. God loves you. Yeah, I got that one figured out. But I've had words. Um, there, was, there was one a while back. It was here on the ground floor, actually. I was, I was speaking and I was actually talking about the subject of, of giving words. And I said, you might have something weird. And I just, the one that just popped up was spaghetti. It was, I think it was spaghetti. It was, it was a food that I listed. I'm like, that's weird. Afterwards, someone came up to me and was like, thank you. That word was for me. Spaghetti? They're like, yeah. I don't remember all the details, but the, the nutshell was this. They were going through it. And they're like, does God even care? Does God even know me? Does God even know what my favorite food is? So like, they're sitting here having this conversation with God you know, that they've been struggling with and that, was, that had been happening that morning. And then all of a sudden, as I'm speaking, I'm like, God may have a word for you, spaghetti. And they're like, oh, he knows. <laughs> what does spaghetti mean to me? Nothing. It means red sauce and stains on my shirt. It's okay. But to them, that was a timely word in season that confirmed that God saw them and God cared about the details of their life and what they were going through. And sometimes God wants to speak, but we haven't been listening. So I want to create a time for you to listen, to ask God. But this is what we're going to do. First, we're going to do something awkward because that just makes life more fun. Um, I'm assuming that most of you like the person you're sitting next to. You sat next to them on purpose, you're friends, great. We're going to play musical chairs. Um, you're going to move, you can wait a minute, but you're going to move up against next to somebody that you don't know. Um, if you don't like them, that's fine. Don't walk up to them and go, I want to sit next to you because I don't like you. That's not very nice. Um, but this, this is why we're going to do this. If you know somebody, two things. It can, be, it can make you nervous because if you say something and you're wrong, they're your friend. And if they look stupid, it's, it's, it can make you nervous. If you don't know them, you say something weird, they didn't know you anyways. It doesn't matter. It's all good. Um, secondly, if you go to give a word to somebody, if you know them and you know what's going on, it's very easy to try to shape it based on what you know. If it's someone that you don't know, 
You're like, well, I don't have my own knowledge to, to rely on, so I'm going to have to rely on God. And we're going to ask him, and we're going to let God move.